Hi, I'm MC Jessie. 大家好，读你听二点零。今日继续读 Miguel de Cervantes 嘅 Don Quixote。Don Quixote， 同吉我得啊。诶，同大家提出一样嘢，就系我呢一个读本咧，呢、這个翻译本咧系 John Ormsby 嘅翻译本嚟嘅，属于一个 scholar 啦，一个学者式嘅翻译啦。咁啊，保留咗好多 Old English 啦。一啲古字啊，嚇直接翻譯嘅古字比較多啦。畢竟本著作都係喺好多年前嘅作品。有其他好多翻譯嘅有啲翻譯得比較流暢啊，文中比較幽默嘅嘢咧，都會翻譯得比較流暢啲。不過咧就唔係呢個翻譯本嚇，我哋呢個翻譯本咧就注重斷物，有一種古舊嘅氣息喺度。講翻呢個第三節啦。呢一節咧就叫做 Where is related the droll way in which Don Quixote had himself duped at night？ 承接上回啦，進入咗呢一個莊園啦，進入咗呢個佢自以為嘅城堡啦。當喺度飽餐一頓嘅時候咧，佢都係嚇然咧諗起自己咧都仲未被封啊一個騎士咁嚇，佢好緊張呢樣嘢。咁而喺呢個時候咧。佢就去實行呢樣嘢啦，希望有人會拆封佢，成為一個騎士。咁佢會點做咧？跟住我哋交俾 Costa 同大家讀嚟聽。Chapter three. Harassed by this reflection, he made haste with his scanty pothouse supper, and having finished it, called the landlord, and shutting himself into the stable with him, fell on his knees before him, saying, "From this spot I rise not, valiant knight." Until your courtesy grants me the boon I seek, one that will rebound to your praise and the benefit of the human race. The landlord, seeing his guest on his feet and hearing a speech of this kind, stood staring at him in bewilderment, not knowing what to do or say, and entreating him to rise, but all to no purpose. Until he had agreed to grant the boon demanded of him, I look for no less, my lord, from your high magnificence," replied Don Quixote. And I have to tell you that the boon I have asked and your liberality has granted is that you shall dupe me night tomorrow morning, and that tonight I shall watch my arms in the chapel of this your castle. Thus tomorrow, as I have said, will be accomplished what I so much desire, enabling me lawfully to roam through all the four quarters of the world seeking adventures on behalf of those in distress, and it's the duty of chivalry and of knights errant like myself. Whose ambition is directed to such deeds? The landlord, who, as has been mentioned, was something of a wag, and had already some suspicion of his guest's want of wits, was quite convinced of it on hearing talk of this kind from him, and to make sport for the knight, he determined to fall in with his humour. So he told him he was quite right in pursuing the object he had in view, and that such a motive was natural and becoming in cavaliers. As distinguished as he seemed, and his gallant bearing showed him to be, and that he himself, in his younger days, had followed the same honourable calling, roaming in quest of adventures in various parts of the world, among others the curing grounds of Malaga, the Isle of Riaran, the precinct of Seville, the little market of Segovia, the Oliva of Valencia, the Rondilla of Granada, the Strand of San Luca, the Cove of Cordova, the taverns of Toledo. 
and divers' other quarters, where he had proved the nimbleness of his feet and the lightness of his fingers, doing many wrongs, cheating many widows, ruining maids and swindling miners, and, in short, bringing himself under the notice of almost every tribunal and court of justice in Spain, until at last he had retired to this castle of his, where he was living upon his property and upon that of others, and where he received all knights errands of whatever rank or condition they might be, all for the great love he bore them, and that they might share their substance with him in return for his benevolence. He told him, moreover, that in this castle of his there was no chapel in which he could watch his armour, as it had been pulled down in order to be rebuilt, but that in the case of necessity it might, he knew, be watched anywhere, and he might watch it that night in the courtyard of the castle, and in the morning, God willing, the requisite ceremonies might be performed so as to have him duped the knight, and so thoroughly duped that nobody could be more so. He asked if he had any money with him, to which Don Quixote replied that he had not a farthing, as in the histories of knights errant he had never read of any of them carrying any. On this point the landlord told him he was mistaken, for, though not recorded in the histories, because in the author's opinion there was no need to mention anything so obvious and necessary as money and clean shirts, it was not to be supposed, therefore, that they did not carry them, and he might regard it as certain and established that all knights errant carried well-furnished purses in case of emergency, and likewise carried shirts and a small box of ointment to cure the wounds they received, for in those plains and deserts where they engaged in combat and came out wounded, it was not always that there was someone to cure them, unless indeed they had for a friend some sage magician to succour them at once by fetching through the air upon a cloud some damsel or dwarf with a vial of water or such virtue that by tasting one drop of it they were cured of their hurts and wounds in an instant and left as sound as if they had not received any damage whatever. But in case this should not occur, the knights of old took care to see that their squires were provided with money and other requisites, such as lint and ointments for healing purposes, and when it happened that knights had no squires, they themselves carried everything in cunning saddlebags that were hardly seen on the horse's croup, as if it were something else of more importance, because, unless for some such reason, carrying saddlebags was not very favourably regarded among knights errant. He therefore advised him never from the time forth to travel without money and the usual requirement, and he would find the adventure of them when he least expected it. Don Quixote promised to follow his advice scrupulously, and it was arranged forthwith that he should watch his armour in a large yard at one side of the inn. So, collecting it all together, Don Quixote placed it on a trough that stood by the side of the well. And bracing his buckler on his arm, he grabs his lance and began with a stately air to march up and down in front of the trough. And as he began his march, night began to fall. The landlord told all the people who were in the inn about the craze of his guests, the watching of the armour, and the dubbing ceremony he contemplated. Full of wonder at so strange a form of madness, they flocked to see it from a distance, and observed with what composure he sometimes paced up and down, or sometimes leaning on his lance, gazed on his armour without taking his eyes off it forever so long. And as the knight closed in with a light from the moon so brilliant that it might be with his that lent it, everything the novice knight did was plainly seen by all. Meanwhile, one of the carriers who were in the inn thought fit to water his team, and it was necessary to remove Don Quixote's armour as it lay on the trough. 
But he seeing the other approach hailed him in a loud voice, O thou, whoever thou art, rash knight that comest to lay hands on the armour of the most valorous errant that ever girt on sword, have a care what thou dost. Touch it not unless thou wouldst lay down thy life as the penalty of thy rashness. The carrier gave no heed to these words, but seizing it by the straps, flung the armour some distance from him. Seeing this, Don Quixote raised his eyes to heaven, and fixing his thoughts apparently upon his lady Dulcinea, exclaimed, Aid me, lady mine, in this the first encounter that presents itself to this breast which thou holdest in subjection. Let not thy favour and protection fail me in this first jeopardy. And with these words and others to the same purpose, dropping his buckler, he lifted his lance with both hands, and with it smote such a blow on the carrier's head that he stretched him on the ground, so stunned that had he folded up with a second, there would have been no need of a surgeon to cure him. This done, he picked up his armour and returned to his feet with the same serenity as before. Shortly after this, another, not knowing what had happened, came with the same object of giving water to his muse, and was proceeding to remove the armour in order to clear the trough, when Don Quixote, without uttering a word or imploring aid from anyone, once more dropped his buckler and once more lifted his lance, and without actually breaking the second carrier's head into pieces, made more than three of it, for he laid it open in four. At noise, all the people of the inn ran to the spot, and among them the landlord. Seeing this, Don Quixote braced his buckler on his arm, and with his hand on his sword exclaimed, O lady of beauty, strength and support of my faint heart, it is time for thee to turn the eyes of thy greatness on this thy captive knight on the brink of so mighty an adventure. By this he felt himself so inspired that he would not have flinched if all the carriers in the world had assailed him. The comrades of the wounded, perceiving the plight they were in, began from a distance to shower stones on Don Quixote, who screed himself as best he could with his buckler, not daring to quit the trough and leave his armour unprotected. The landlord shouted to them to leave him alone, for he had already told them that he was mad, and as a madman, he would not be accountable even if he killed them all. Still louder shouted Don Quixote, calling them knaves and traitors, and the lord of the castle, who allowed knights errant to be treated in this fashion, a villain and a low-born knight whom, had he received the order of knighthood, he would call to account for his treachery. But of you, he cried, base and vile rebel, I make no account. Fling, strike, come on, do all ye can against me. Ye shall see what the reward of your folly and insolence will be. This he uttered with so much spirit and boldness that he filled his assailants with a terrible fear, and as much for this reason, as at the persuasion of the landlord they left off stoning him, and he allowed them to carry off the wounded, and with the same calmness and composure as before resumed the watch over his armour. But these freaks of his guest were not much to the liking of the landlord, so he determined to cut matters short and confer upon him at once the unlucky order of knighthood before any further misadventure could occur. So, going up to him, he apologised for the rudeness which, without his knowledge, had been offered to him by these low people, who, however, had been well punished for their audacity. As he had already told him, he said, that there was no chapel in the castle, nor was it needed for what remained to be done. For, as he understood the ceremonial of the order, the whole point of being duped a knight lay in the accolade and in the slap on the shoulder, and that could be administered in the middle of the field, 
and that he had now done all that was needful as to watching the armor, for all requirements were satisfied by a watch of two hours only, while he had been more than full about it. Don Quixote believed it all, and told him he stood there ready to obey him, and to make an end of it with as much dispatch as possible, for if he were again attacked and felt himself to be duke knight, he would not, he thought, leave a soul alive in the castle, except such as out of respect he might spare at his bidding. Thus warned and menaced, the castellan forthwith brought out a book in which he used to enter the straw and barley he served out to the carriers, and, with a lad carrying a candle end, and the two damsels already mentioned, he returned to where Don Quixote stood, and bade him kneel down. But then, reading from his account book, as if he were repeating some devout prayer, in the middle of his delivery, he raised his hand and gave him a sturdy blow on the neck, and then, with his own sword, a small slap on the shoulder, all the while muttering between his teeth as if he was saying his prayers. Having done this, he directed one of the ladies to gird on his sword, which she did with great self-possession and gravity, and not a little was required to prevent a burst of laughter at each stage of the ceremony. But what they had already seen of the novice knight's prowess kept their laughter within bounds. On girding him with the sword, the worthy lady said to him, May God make your worship a very fortunate knight and grant you success in battle. Don Quixote asked her name in order that he might from that time forward know to whom he was beholden for the favour he had received, as he meant to confer upon her some portion of the honour he acquired by the might of his arm. She answered with great humility that she was called La Glossa, and that she was the daughter of a cobbler of Toledo who lived in the stalls of Sancho Bienaya, and that wherever she might be, she would serve and esteem him as her lord. Don Quixote said in reply that she would do him favour if thenceforward she assumed the don and called herself Doña Dolosa. She promised she would, and then the other buckled on his spur, and with her followed almost the same conversation as with the Lady of the Sword. He asked her name, and she said it was La Molinera, and that she was the daughter of a respectable miller of Antiquera. And of her likewise, Don Quixote requested that she would adopt the Don and call herself Doña Molnera, making offers to her further services and favours. Having thus, with hot haste and speed, brought to a conclusion these never-till-now-seen ceremonies, Don Quixote was on thorns until he saw himself on horseback sallying forth in quest of adventures, and saddling Rostinante at once he mounted, and embracing his host as he returned thanks for his kindness in knighting him. He addressed him in language so extraordinary that it is impossible to convey an idea of it or report it. The landlord, to get him out of the inn, replied with no less rhetoric though with shorter words, and without calling upon him to pay the reckoning, let him go with a godspeed. 跌後的溝,好長細的過程就是當結果地點樣被拆封成為一個騎士,當然個過程就是非常之滑稽啦,冇一樣嘢係正式的,因為根本冇任何一個人係同騎士有任何關係,所有嘢都幾乎係當結果
，咁佢就可以正式上路呢，去扶持佢嘅政治啊，係執行佢嘅公事嘅。一個挖梯嘅張紙，有一個字同大家分享嘅，一個動詞嚟嘅 ，sucker，sucker，s u c c o u r，sucker， 呢個動詞係誒古文咧嚇，都係阿 K 嚟噶啦，意思即係 give assistance or aid to， 協助啦，救援啦咁樣。好，呢、这個字就完啦。How yet should we turn to God? Duck knitting audios.